You are tuned into Bonnie and Maud, uh, the film podcast. I'm your host, Eleanor Kagan. And I'm Ksenia Yarosh. And we are joined by a very special guest today, and that is Tom Blunt of Meet the Lady and other wonderful projects. Hello. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. It's uh, uh, incredible to be here. Uh, I'm neither Bonnie nor Maud, but we'll have to, <laughs> I'll have to have a, like a cinematic uh, nom de plume to... Uh, to join in as yeah who do you want to be um can i think about it yes but by the end of this by the end of this conversation you have to have i will have a new name okay good and then we'll be bonnie and maude and And whoever whoever Mm -hmm. okay so do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do oh sure i uh i've been hosting a show for the 92nd street wise film program for about uh two years Mm -hmm. uh that celebrates women in film um we've had numerous guests we mostly celebrate sort of um off the beaten track kind of uh, performers uh authors uh basically anyone that we find interesting as we research the topics of our show so um we've had special tribute shows for character actresses like beth grant and louise lasser uh and then uh everyone bits and pieces along the way and in fact, uh, Ksenia, you've uh, helped out with a couple of these shows. Yeah, I've been a guest and I've also been in the audience and am a big fan of it. And um, uh, I hear you're also working on a new project. Yes. Uh, in addition to the Meet the Lady stuff that we're working on, we've got a project coming out this fall that is a podcast also, mm-hmm. which is a, we're recording in front of a live audience. Uh, the podcast is called Evening Dilemma, and we're recording at the Word Bookstore in Brooklyn. And so uh, it's my first first podcast. I'm a little terrified. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be pretty hairy. It's a lot of the same sorts of uh, interviews and situations that we get going in our live event for Meet the Lady, um, without the uh, constraint of any sort of theme, lady oriented or otherwise. Mm-hmm. So, is there a website where people can go to yeah, find out uh, more? You can go to eveningdilemma.com. And what's the date of your podcast recording? Uh, October third. Uh, we'll be in the basement of, at uh, Word Bookstore at 6.30 p.m. So awesome. Pizza will be served. Oh, yes. And we will be there to support. Absolutely. Um, cool. Well, welcome. Thanks so much for coming on, Bonnie and Maud. Of course. Um, you are also our first guest that we've had on the show. So exciting. <laughs> our topic of the day, Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. She is, of course, a fascinating uh, person, a fascinating character, there are so many rumors about her. There's so much that's been written about her. Does anybody really know the real Marilyn? Who knows? But uh, we decided to watch a couple films that she's been in. Um, her first starring role, which is a uh, little-known film called Don't Bother to Knock. Maybe little-known. Maybe mm-hmm. more people know about it. And then we decided to watch sort of one of the classic films that's become iconic, uh, The Seven-Year Itch, which, of course, features the white flowing dress moment um so we're going to talk a bit about those and Um, see what we think about marilyn (laughs) yeah well i I wanted to ask you guys what kind of background you have like what if you've read much about marilyn because i'm i'm actually not all that familiar with her biography i've I've seen and heard bits and pieces um but i just wanted to hear what you know about her well um i'm actually reincarnation of marilyn monroe uh, I'm the second. The first didn't live much longer than the original. But uh, no, I, I actually, uh, I feel like I have done a fair amount of research about her. Just I was never terribly curious about her growing up. She just, 
she's one of those people that everyone loves, which is, you know, um, when, when you're someone who I think is used to fascinated by the people who get less attention, mm-hmm. uh, chasing Marilyn seems pretty easy. However, every time I've ever read about her, it's been endlessly fascinating. You know, uh, she's, she had a, a quite a life and a, you know, and a very hidden life and was, you know, very intelligent and, um, my first exposure to becoming curious about her as a person, I think, was watching Don't Bother to Knock, mm-hmm. um, which I saw for the first time, I think, uh, several years ago. And uh, it, it really struck me. I, afterward, I read um, that thing that Billy Wilder said about her. Oh, yeah. About the flesh impact. He That term that I think might have been invented just in the in case of describing her, but... Uh, where he, he, de- he described her as having flesh impact, which meant that like photos and film of her seemed like uh, to capture the immediacy of her in the flesh. Like you could, you got a sense from looking at her what she would feel like, and um, that you know certain actresses have a sort of flesh impact, and some don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was an amazing way of sort of describing what makes her special. That's probably one of the nicer things he said about her yeah. because the the bits that I've read, I, I mean, I was just reading trivia about some like it hot recently and they're terrible. Like uh, he was saying how she could not remember any of her lines, how um, there's one line where um, in some like it hot, she's supposed to say, hey, it's me, sugar. And according to his memoir, she just couldn't get it out. She kept saying, sugar, it's me. Hey, it's me. Sh-. Like, she just couldn't. And, and then there's like another where they had to put the lines inside drawers that she pulled out. And just ma- basically, I don't know. It sounded like he mocked her and basically implied that she had no talent or brain. Yeah, that I mean, she took a lot of criticism, too, um, for her portrayal of, like, ditzier, sort of sexier characters, like mm-hmm. the, um, like Seven Year Itch, like Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, and um, she also, you know, was, according to people that worked with her, really hard to work with. She showed mm-hmm. up late all the time. She didn't uh, know her lines. She had horrible stage fright. So mm-hmm. she had her acting coaches. Um, she had them around to sort of, you know, make her feel calm, make her feel safe. Um, but she seemed really troubled, um, which I think led to a lot of that yeah. hardship in acting. Yeah, I I hadn't seen Seven Year Itch in a couple years, so I, I had forgotten quite how ditzy the character is. She is just a blank. She has no real interests or thoughts. She likes potato chips and champagne, and that's about all we really learn about her. She She's like a, she's a pinup come to life, which is I mean literally because in the movie she plays a woman who has like released a pinup photo, you know. And then and as you noticed at the end of the movie, she, you know, they even break the fourth wall and refer to Marilyn Monroe. Like she's a she's a a, a, a pure fantasy creature. Mm-hmm. So in a way that's, you know, a, a sort of creative masterstroke which is I think could I imagine that working really well on stage. Uh, in a movie as a character, it's it's so limiting. You know, she's like a blow-up doll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was almost painful to watch her at certain moments where you just 
know how she should be reacting in a certain situation mm-hmm. or knowing what she was saying, you know, know what she was saying to him, um, that it almost made me think that she is like that calculating, that she knew exactly what she was doing. She knew exactly mm-hmm. what she was saying and what situation she got in. And it ended up being this like perverse joke that she plays on unsuspecting men who just fall madly in love with her. Mm. Um so the character, you're talking about the character. The character in Seven Year Itch. But I don't, I thought that, or I wanted to believe that at first, but um, there are a couple lines later where she said she'd sort of been taken advantage of before by by men mm-hmm. after acting this way towards them that made me think that maybe she isn't smarter than yeah. mm-hmm. uh, Wilder portrays her. What I think is sad about that is that at the time, um, since I don't really... If you watch her, she's obviously like a fantasy creature, but they treat her as if she's just a regular character in the movie. Uh, and I just think that's so sad because it's like women watching that look at that and think, like, is that what I'm supposed to be? And then the men looking at that look at that and think, is that what I'm supposed to want? Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of and, and the answer to those is no. And I think Marilyn, if she was talking about her character, would have said, no, of course not. This is ridiculous. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a complete like caricature. But it's sort of played very straight because it's wrapped up in all this analysis of like what you know the male libido yeah. N- now if, i think if she could see decades later how that is like an emulated that's like a an act that you know women might actually try to emulate she would be horrified mm-hmm. yeah i mean but at the time do you think that she thought that as well you know do you think at the time she read the script and was like you know like this is an acting gig i'm definitely gonna take it but yeah this is sort of a questionable way to act yeah. uh you know for young women to see mm-hmm I wish that I'd read the theater script because, um, the, I, especially at the time, there was lots of things you could do and say on Broadway that you couldn't, that would never pass muster in the movies, especially with regards to sexuality, mm-hmm. um, I think. So it's possible, for all we know, there might have been more going on in the script that kind of got watered down for Hollywood. Hmm. Like maybe she was a much deeper character. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe they were just a little more overt with like the sexual fantasy aspect. Mm-hmm. In the staging, whereas in a like it, on, on, in uh, theater, they can create like you know an, an illusion and a fantasy about someone and make it very like obvious. Uh, and then on, in a on the screen, everything gets pressed into the flatness of reality. Mm-hmm. So, I just found the genre of the movie very confusing. It, it's a comedy. It's sort of a caricature of what you know what we think of when we think of men and when we th- when we think of women. Um, you know, men are these knuckle-dragging, obsessed-with-sex kind of creatures, almost animal-like, and women are just, you know, they're very calm, and um, I'm thinking more of The Wife, uh, where it's um, a little bit screechy. Uh, she scolds him, so it's almost like a mother figure. And, of course, Marilyn sort of as a teenager who, like, has all this sexuality but doesn't know quite how to control it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's a lot of comedy in it. But, yeah, again, there's too much seriousness as well. So I don't know what is actually supposed to be funny and what we're supposed to take seriously. Yeah, because I, ca- I worry about her. Like, she's, what, 23 in the movie? Yeah. And she's, you know, from Colorado. She's new in New York. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, essentially getting herself into these situations that, like, in real life would be probably would be pretty dangerous. Yeah. But it's kind of played for laughs here, and like, oh, look at this girl who would just go into the strange man's apartment. Maybe and- because like this man is harmless, and like here it's funny. But yeah, we're thinking of like the other scenarios. Like, what if she actually encountered someone more predatory? Right. And he's even not that. He's not even that harmless. Frankly, you know, yeah, he, he's kind of a creep. He's out of control. Yeah. It's sort of like, you know, Craigslist, uh, you know, like casual encounters in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you really don't know what's going to happen. It's like between his fantasy of her and then her mm-hmm. sort of embodiment fantasy. You know, he's, he's humiliated by his own actions. He doesn't understand his own instincts. And it's just, it's the kind of thing that you could make a really dark movie out of it. Totally. <laughs> yeah. From that opening scene where they show all of the Native Americans you know, who it's like practically setting up a sort of like a gang rape scenario where they start all following yeah. this one woman after the other women have all left the island. Not to mention it looks like they're white actors in brownface, oh, yes. which <laughs> is just a whole nother level of yeah. messed up yeah. on uh, Billy Wilder's part. This definitely has a very Mad Men quality to it. Of course, him, um, you know, working in the similar sort of office with the secretary and smoking and drinking all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, But without the remove Mm -hmm. that that show has to point out, hey, isn't this silly? That's another interesting layer is the fact that he works for a pulp paperback office, which would have been kind of like the porno of the time, you know, that anyone could pick up at the drugstore, like they say in the movie, for two bits. And so he works, you know, in this like sensationalistic environment. And then the movie is exactly the kind of movie that would be made from like one of the books that he produced. Oh, yeah. Without the actual payoff of anything happening. Yeah. This movie... It didn't. I, I, to be honest, it doesn't have anything really to recommend it to me. I mean, you know, it's completely, it's completely heterocentric. It's completely, it's it's a fantasy movie for middle aged men. But it's not even fun. Like there, there are a couple of funny moments, but it really drags. The first half an hour, it's the main, um, the lead male characters talking to himself, which is just not very interesting to watch. Eventually, Marilyn shows up, and it is a little better. But all of his dream scenarios reminded me um, of what you were saying earlier, how she, how Marilyn in this movie is this dream girl, is this sort of unattainable, mm-hmm. you know, figment of a woman. And, I, you know, one way to look at this is the main character sort of lives in this dream fantasy. So, you know, possibly he conjures... Marilyn Monroe's character mm-hmm. um, in his fantasy, and it ends up coming more to life. Right. Am I saying that this whole movie was a dream? Right. Which Maybe. Is... I mean, he slips on the roller skate and hits his head. It seems like it totally. could it's, be a possible it's reading. It's completely like a possible like Pygmalion or something kind mm-hmm. of basic story where he just like invents a fantasy woman and falls in love with her, and then suddenly she's real. Yeah. Well, at the end, um, there's another character who comes by, and... Um, He's like, what blonde in the kitchen? So it's definitely feasible. I don't know if that's giving everyone too much credit. Uh. Again, I would say if it wasn't, you know, carved from like a play, then maybe it would be. But, you know, I can see it actually being really canny and like kind of fun and frothy on stage. And maybe even all of those fantasy segments aren't even in the play. You know, Mm -hmm. like that just seems the kind of thing that you do with a movie to to pull it out of like an an apartment Mm -hmm. or or an office so that you have like other... You can play a little bit with the visuals. To make it less like theater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
My question is, how has this movie become so classic and so iconic? Does that draw on straight men just being so drawn to this woman and this actress and her coyness and just this movie has been hailed as just so iconic when it's really, you know, not that great of filmmaking and the characters are just so flat? I just don't think, I mean, I don't think that many people have seen the film. I just, I think that the images are iconic, you know, the, you know, the promotional images of her, you know, apparently when they were filming it, you know, they had to block off a whole section of the city so that they wouldn't be interrupted. And then mm-hmm. I guess, didn't they do a thing at the premiere where they sort of like recreated the effect, oh, yeah. you know, yeah, so yeah, there yeah. were, there were hundreds of different photos of her doing the pose. And it just, I think that the image got out of control and which yeah. is great about Marilyn because if, if it was just the image of her that people were obsessed with, that would be enough. That was enough to sustain the the careers of who knows how many mm-hmm. actresses. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that she actually has an acting talent, uh, it, it it just, you know, it, it makes everything, it just sends her off of the charts. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, she doesn't have a lot to work with. You know, she's kind of like acting her buns off still. But like, you can still see it. There's like a perfect knowledge of every gesture you know, she's playing, she's playing fantasy. Mm-hmm. So she knows how to do it. But yeah, I, I would, I think that most people haven't seen this movie. They remember it, but they haven't seen it. Yeah, right. Because that, yeah, that image is just so ingrained in our culture and in, in pop yeah. culture and everything. Um, but you're right. I did want to talk about her acting a little bit. Um, <laughs> because at first I was a little taken aback with just how like breathy and like soft and you know I don't think weak is the right word but just sort of um like just very giving in in herself um and she's being portrayed as this ditzy person at the time um is she working hard to show that she's a good actress by playing this character that she's been accused of in real life Mm -hmm. yeah is she like is she struggling to show depth or is she just revealing her inner dissiness or mm-hmm. yes what is it? Yeah. you just took what i said in like 50 <laughs> words and put it into like 10 thank you <laughs> well i think about this all the time <laughs> i think that um i mean not to jump right in but if you no, look please. at uh don't bother to knock um it starts the movie starts off with Anne bancroft and uh who you know you see i i think you see her before you see uh, Marilyn, Absolutely. Um, but she, it anyone. seems like she has a larger part in it than she does. Yeah. Uh, because she's like, you know, the established, you know, warhorse actress of the movie. And what's funny about her is she has this acting that is very, it's, it's all in her mind. You know, she's like, you can see her like thinking as she goes. That's just how she acts. And she's brilliant at it. And mm-hmm. if you see like the miracle worker and all this stuff, she's like one step ahead all the way. The problem is, and you put her in a movie with someone like Marilyn Monroe, and with Marilyn, it's, it just, like, wells up from within her. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like she's, like, a sponge, like, saturated with feeling. And then she just, like, applies pressure and it just, like, oozes out of her. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's chilling to watch. There's the scene in that movie where, you know, it's like she hears the droning of an airplane passing overhead. And it reminds her of her, you know, lost love or whatever. And you just see her haunted and start to weep. And it's, it's just, uh, it, it changes the atmosphere in the room. Mm-hmm. And then you, that makes all of Anne Bancroft's later scenes seem almost kind of ridiculous. Because I mean, mm-hmm. it, it just makes her acting seem a little stagier, a little more Stiff. studied. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's the kind of uh, talent that, you know, that uh, that I think Marilyn has. And I think that she had a lot of control over it. But I, And I think that's exactly maybe why her, the lines were maybe just not as important to her. 
Mm-hmm. It's because I think at the end of the day, she knew that it was more about what she was doing with her body and her face and her brain that would carry the day anyway. I, I was surprised you said she had a lot of control because I like what I sense when I watch her is that she's just so overcome with emotion. I mean, she like channels it, but I think the reason she was maybe a troubled person is because she didn't really know how to act. She knew how to like just feel things and that overwhelmed her. Um, Yeah. And that's definitely what I saw in um, Don't Bother to Knock. It's like a whole different set of muscles <laughs> that yeah. than everyone else is using. Exactly. I mean, did you, how did you did you enjoy it? I mean, did you don't bother to not? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I mean, it was a lot darker than I expected. Um, in a way that I appreciated for her first starring role. You know, she went on to be you know so glamorous and ditzy as is the case with Seven Year Itch in right. these later movies. That to see her like really play this completely like fucked up character was fascinating and she did it so well and she did it in a way where you know i was wondering you know how much is is this emotion drawn from her own life and her own sort of traumatic childhood and experiences Mm -hmm. and how much is this just her being an amazing actress and like really making us feel you know all the crazy that she feels in that movie yeah, there's like whole several minutes at a time where she's just sitting in front of a mirror trying on jewelry and you cannot look away mm-hmm. yeah i know i mean i think a lot of that has to do with her face and just she makes she makes really incredible expressions i mean she did that in seven year itch too just the way she'll like widen her eyes and it should be you know i'd expect something like that from somebody else to come off as you know, sort of a put on, sort of like they're trying too hard to like look surprised or look mm-hmm. charming or right. scared or happy. But she just does it in a way that it's just so such a big yeah. expression yeah. that you just can't look she away. She can do that wide eyed innocence without looking dumb, just bewildered and curious and like a doe. Yeah. Lesser actresses fall on that spear over and over again and don't survive, you know, like because it just seems like such a put-on when you know someone is, like, a paid actress and more than that, like, a sex symbol, mm-hmm. you know, like, the idea that someone could act innocent and, you know, it, it just doesn't it doesn't play. Uh, and I've, I've been thinking about it since I saw Don't Bother to Knock, like, what other kinds of actresses do that, you know, have mm-hmm. that kind of quality. I think the most recent thing I saw was in Young Adult with Charlize Theron, and there's a great scene in the bar where the band plays the song or something that she thought was her song with her ex, but like it turns out that it was like his song with, you know, other people too. Mm -hmm. And there's something that she does where she doesn't have any lines, but the the air around her just sort of started cloud over and she just looks terribly angry and happy. And she has that kind of smolder where like, she's just acting with her person, Mm -hmm. you know? And I, I can imagine any number of other actors just like desperate for something to do in that moment to show how they feel. Mm -hmm. And she just doesn't have to. Yeah. And I think um, Mila Kunis is another one where she's just really good at playing an everyday person in front of a camera where almost anyone else, you turn a camera on them and they'll like widen their eyes and like, yeah. Try, you know, they can't help it. And with her, it's so many movies you see, she has this uncanny ability to seem like a real human, mm-hmm. which is sort of like the hardest possible thing that you can do. And I, I think that in a way she's rather underrated just because of that. She seems like a fairly approachable. I mean, she's beautiful. Yeah. But she's not an intimidating acting talent because what she does, I think, is very subtle. She just shows up and acts like a human. Mm-hmm. 
I actually, um, I saw this movie Bachelorette last night. Oh. Um, and I was actually really amazed at Kirsten Dunst and how she was able to convey so much emotion in her face. Yes. Um, and in that, you know, not just in that movie, but in so many other movies. I mean, Melancholia, she's yeah. incredible. The opening, just the opening frame in Melancholia of her face devastated. Mm-hmm. And you don't even want to know what they had to do to her or what she had to do to herself to make that face. And it just sticks with you. Yeah. Well, I'm and then there's she also pull it out. Then there's also bring it on. <laughs> yes. A very emotional film. Hey, still a classic. One of my favorites. And now there's a play based on that. It all comes full circle. Really? Yeah, yes, there's... there's a Broadway musical. Bring it on the musical. Mm. Not starring Kirsten Dunst. No, she should get on that. She should. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, you're right. And I wanted, I was going to ask you guys um, who you thought was sort of a modern day equivalent of Marilyn. And maybe there's not one woman out there that encompasses the acting chops, the comedic timing, the intelligence, the sort of like, you know, torrid private life and also the, you know, sex Mm -hmm. symbol status. Right. Um, I feel like so many actresses together would be like a composite of maybe something like approaching Marilyn. Right. I was going to say, I was going to say Charlize again until you got to something about like her torrid life or something. And we're like, I don't really know what's going on in Charlize's life. No one really cares. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is funny. You would never think of that as like a limiting factor. It's the same with Meryl Streep where, you know, no one really knows what's going on in her life and no one really cares because uh, it, it, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's like that's the kind of thing you have to drum up if no one's talking about you. Yeah. Yeah. She's sort of lucky that she escaped all that, you know, the tabloid intrigue. But maybe Meryl Streep is just too good of, actri- too good of an actress that no one else really like, cares yeah. what else mm-hmm. is going on. You'd think that, and that's what I think is really fascinating when someone reveals himself to be truly talented, because people want to know everything. But I, I remember seeing Meryl Streep on, I think it was, oh, it was Ellen. And Ellen was interviewing her, and it was the dumbest interview. Like, you have Meryl Streep <laughs> on your couch, you can ask her anything in the world, and she'll answer. And Ellen was just asking her about, like, you know, how do you learn all those accents and all of these kind of, like, really boilerplate questions. And it's almost like... It, Maybe there's like a quality that she has that just defies you to dig any deeper. Or maybe she has a contract that you sign that (laughs) defies you to dig any deeper. Yeah, maybe. Well, like, where would you even start? You know, when, um, what's his name? Um, The vampire came on The Daily Show. Uh, (laughs) Which vampire? um, What what is his name? (laughs) Um, Robert Pattinson? Yes. Okay. I just like the vampire that came on the, the Daily vampire Show. The vampire came on the Daily Show. Um, you know, John addressed his recent breakup, and it's like, of course, they're going to talk about that. If Meryl Streep comes on your show, you're not going to bother to ask her about her personal life. No, I want I want to put this out there, that if she comes on my show ever, I will bother to ask about her personal life. <laughs> yeah, same here. Yeah. All right. But I mean, I'm sorry. I'm it, too intimidated. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I guess I, I say that now, of course, but the ones you're there in the headlights, who even knows what you'll How ask? do you do the accent? Yes. <laughs> Please tell us. Please. We have to know. Maybe it's something in the eyes where you're just like about mm. to ask something and she's like, I know. I know what you want to ask and you're not going to ask it. Yeah. Jedi mind tricks there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you want to know. I mean, I want to know everything like kind of about, you know, her family relationships or just what do you think about all the time? Mm-hmm. You know, like what is it like in there? And uh, you just don't find out and uh, find that out in nighttime talk show interviews all right so that was part one of bonnie and maude talking about marilyn monroe we'll be back soon with part two but in the meantime enjoy ann bancroft singing in don't bother to knock
like New York in June. How about you? I like a Gershwin tune. How about you? I love a fireside when a storm is due. I like potato chips, moonlight motor trips. How about you? I'm mad about good books. Can't get my fill. And Tyrone Powers looks. Give me a thrill. Holding hands in the movie show when all the lights are low. May not be new, but I like it. How about you?